from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, the CDC, working in concert with the Biden administration, issued new guidance this afternoon telling Americans to put their mask back on indoors, even if they have been vaccinated. Fox News' Peter Ducey asked White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki if the vaccines work, why wear masks? Vaccines work, which this sign says that they do. Then why do people who've had the vaccine need to now wear masks the same as people who have not had it? Because the public health uh, leaders in our administration have made the determination based on data that that is a way to make sure they're protected, their loved ones are protected, uh, and that's an extra step given the transmissibility of the virus. So what are we really masking? We'll talk about it a little bit later. Also, it appears the administration is moving closer to mandating the vaccine. Kansas Senator Roger Marshall is here in just a moment with the latest. Also, the politically charged January 6th Select Committee held its first meeting today, even while Republican leadership held a press conference warning Americans the Select Committee is an Nancy Pelosi cover-up. We'll talk with Christina Wong with Breitbart News. And over one million... One million arrests have been made at the southern border so far this year. That's a record. No one knows how many have actually gotten through, but the Biden administration is not changing their failed policies. As a result, ranchers and farmers on the southern border are seeking hundreds of thousands of dollars in damages from the federal government to pay for what has happened on their property. Texas Congressman August Pfluger, a member of the House, uh, House Foreign Affairs Committee, is here with more on that story. And last week, the Senate Armed Services Committee approved the measure that will require women to register, register for the military draft. Now, some members of Congress are saying it's fine for women to serve voluntarily, but potentially mandating they serve is a bridge too far. We'll talk about it with Army veteran and Congressman Mark Green, a member of the House Armed Services Committee, later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you are on the free speech platform of Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. I would also encourage you to download the Stand Firm app. That way you can stay in touch with us uh, no matter what. You, wherever you are in the world, you can listen to Washington Watch at 5 p.m. Eastern. But more importantly, you can get action alerts so that you know when you need to take action, what action you need to take, and who you need to talk to. Download the Stand Firm app. It is in the App Store. All right, earlier today, as I mentioned, the CDC revising their guidance, saying that now even vaccinated people should be wearing masks indoors. Now, this follows on the heels of the Justice Department uh, Office of Legal Counsel posting an opinion yesterday stating the federal law doesn't prohibit public agencies and private businesses from requiring COVID vaccines. And on the heels of that, the Veterans Administration now requiring vaccinations for its employees. And even earlier today, President Biden suggesting a mandate could be in the works. Here to talk more about this is U.S. Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas. He serves as a member of the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pension. Uh, Senator Marshall is also a medical doctor who practiced medicine for over 25 years. Senator Marshall, welcome back to the program. Tony, it's good to hear you. It's been too long. Look forward to the conversation. Well, let's start uh, first with 
the issue of mask, uh, you have been, I mean, you, you say, look, me- measure the health risk, get the vaccine. Once you have the vaccine, you don't need the mask. That's not what the CDC said today. <laughs> Tony, it, it just never ceases to amaze me. I, I just wish some, there was a little bit more common sense here at the CDC. Look, if you've had the vaccine or if you've had the virus, uh, there's a 95% uh, protection from this new Delta variant or really the virus itself as well. So I really think that, that you're in good shape if you've had the vaccine if you, or if you've had the virus itself. This type of ruling from the CDC is just gonna create more vaccine hesitancy. It's gonna backfire on the CDC. Uh, I, I just think we need to look at the big picture here. Two thirds of adults within the next couple of weeks will have had the vaccination and uh, 90% of our senior citizens will have had the vaccine here in a couple of weeks. And those who haven't, at least half of them have already had the virus. We have to be getting close to herd immunity. I think once again, the CDC overreacting, they're smarter than you are. And that's what really scares me when I listen to your quote from Jen Psaki. She's smarter than you are. She knows what's best for you. She knows what's your family. This whole pattern of socialism just coming to the forefront here over this darn mask issue. Now, Dr. Marshall, let me ask you this question, because you brought this up. I've talked about this on this program, but you don't hear the CDC talking about it. You don't hear the White House talking about it. But natural immunity occurs when you've had the virus. In fact, I've had uh, medical experts on this program say it's just as good, if not better, than the vaccine. You know, exactly. Who ever heard of their doctor, you know, your kids had the chicken pox and they say, oh, now you need to go get the vaccine after you've had it. Uh, or you, know, you have, you have, you've had hepatitis and now you need to go get the vaccine. You know, that just doesn't make sense. And I think, again, this is one more reason we have vaccine hesitancy from folks. Because when we hear a, a common sense nothing from this, something that's contraindicatory to what we've uh, heard in the past. Uh, It just confuses us and it scares us. It feels like they're not being honest with us. But I really do think that you have great immunity, maybe even better long-lasting immunity from natural uh, exposure to the virus. But time will tell. This has been politicized. When you you see the discussion about the mask and, and, and in fact, I'm going to play a clip from uh, Governor Newsom out in California taking issue with conservatives. Uh, play clip number five, please. But we are exhausted, respectfully exhausted by the ideological prism that too many Americans are living under. We're exhausted by the Ron Johnsons and the Tucker Carlsons. We're exhausted by the Margie Taylor Greens. We're exhausted by the right-wing echo chamber that has been perpetuating misinformation around the vaccine and its efficacy and safety. We're exhausted by the politicalization of this pandemic, and that includes mask wearing. Uh, I would say I'm exhausted, too, of the liberals who are trying to make every decision for adults in America and make decisions for their children. I think we put the facts out there, let people talk to their doctors, which you have suggested, and then make the choice that's best for them. You know, absolutely, Tony. I think a person that's not had the vaccine yet, I would encourage them to go talk to their doctor. But what I'm really sensitive to right now is children. Um, I asked this question of the CDC director, as well as the FDA director here this last week. I asked them, how many children have died from COVID who did not have an underlying health condition. And what's frightening is neither one of them knew the answer to that question. I think the answer is zero. Certainly we do know that there are some potential side effects from this vaccine. 
so I, I think I think the parents need to hear the whole story. They need to hear it presented to them objectively. But the CDC doesn't want to talk about the potential complications. And you know, all that being said, if I had a child with a serious underlying health condition, um, you know, to be frank, I'd probably think about getting that child vaccinated. But the other ones under 21, I don't think it's clear cut. And certainly the parents deserve to have that discussion with, with their doctor and have all the facts on the table as well. I really do think that's what America medicine is based upon is that the sacredness of the doctor-patient relationship and being able to have a frank discussion about it. Well, we're talking about the mask mandate that has come back, and that uh, that applies to schools. The CDC is now saying that whether you're vaccinated or not, schools, you should be, kids should be wearing these masks. I certainly hope that this uh, accelerates the the exit, uh, the exodus from uh, our government schools, and which would be a great thing if our kids get outside the public schools and start uh, stop being indoctrinated by the left, but. Right on the heels of this, we just saw, as I mentioned at the top of the program, the DOJ issuing guidance saying that you can mandate, even though this is under emergency guidance, you can still mandate this vaccine. And uh, we saw the Department of Veteran Affairs announced yesterday that it will require doctors, nurses, and other healthcare personnel at the Veterans Health Administration to get vaccinated. And on the heels of that, we see other government entities. Are you concerned that we could be looking at a mandated vaccine for Americans? We're going to have to fight like the dickens to keep that from happening. And, and here's just you know, one more piece of the puzzle. Probably 40 or 50 percent of our kids have already had the virus, but they don't get any credit to that natural immunity. So if 40 percent of the children have already had the virus, and there's nothing going on in that particular community that there's no uptick in the virus. Why do you need to wear masks? I trust local school board members to make that decision. And even in a state like Kansas, what's happening in, a, in Kansas City may be really different than what's happening on the other side of the state. Um, so I, I think there's, this is just another uh, method of control that frustrates me. And we're, we're going to have to fight back. And we look forward to, to your listeners helping us join that fight, protecting our God-given constitutional rights. Yeah, again, I, I've said many, many times in this program, I'm not against the vaccine. I have natural immunity. I had the virus last year. And I think you need to weigh the health risk that you have, weigh them for your children, and you make the decisions. But I am absolutely, totally, 100% against the government mandating it or strong-arming people to take it. I think this is a, a precursor to other freedoms that we could lose if we allow the government to mandate uh, a vaccine. And even I'm, I tell you, I'm with you on the mask. Um, I, I, I think this is this is conditioning for our society, for the government to control what we do, especially, as you've said, Dr. Marshall, follow the science and the science is not here. Yeah, you, you got it, Tony. Um, I, I just I just don't know what to say. I, like, I, I would encourage people to talk to their doctor um, about the vaccine or not. I've never been convinced that the masks do any good, especially in the real world. What we do know is the mask can cause psychological damage, certainly for our children. But, but unfortunately, my dad's been in and out of the hospital for the past six months. And having all those nurses in masks and just not seeing people smile, it's not normal. Uh, there's a huge psychological toll from the mask, from the isolation. Uh, and I'm not sure that there's a benefit there to, to justify it, again, especially if you've had the virus or if you've had the vaccine already. So um, please, please, CDC, start using some common sense. Trust 
trust local doctors, trust, lo trust local uh, school board members will make the right decisions. So, uh, Dr. Marshall, what can Americans do to push back on this overreaching arm of the government? Because, you know, part of this is being the media is, is stoking the fear. And, of course, when you're filled with fear, you're easily led. And, and, and so you've got the media working in concert with the administration to, to control Americans and taking them places, quite frankly, they don't need to go nor they want to go. Well, Tony, you know, fortunately, you're a great voice here in Washington, uh, and I'd like to think that I am as well. I think that they, your listeners need to be reaching out to you and reaching out uh, to, to the voices that would be strong on this particular issue. And I think you know who, the, who those would be as well. Just keep putting that air beneath our wings and, um, and just this whole battle over our civil liberties. It's all the same thing to me. You know, they're attacking our freedom of speech and our freedom of religion. Of course, the sanctity of life and the Second Amendment. 24-7, those are under assault as well. So I, I think just just please, uh, your listeners, keep reaching out, keep supporting us and, and, and praying for us as well. Eventually, this is a battle for the soul of this nation. You're absolutely right. And we appreciate you being on the front lines fighting it. Uh, Senator uh, Roger Marshall of Kansas, great to talk to you again. Thanks, Tony. All right, folks, uh, stick with us. On the other side of the break, we're going to take a look at today, the first meeting of the January 6th Select Committee. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's committee, Republicans, uh, at least the Republican conference not participating in it, they had their own press conference today saying this is a Nancy Pelosi cover-up because she knew she had the intelligence about what, was occur what might have occurred on the 6th. Did nothing with it. Don't go away. When it comes to reading the Bible, sometimes it can be difficult to know where to start or to understand how to apply scripture to everyday life. There are also those passages that leave people scratching their heads, wondering what some things even mean and what they're supposed to make of it. We all know that scripture is divinely inspired and given by God, and it's useful to us as God uses it to prepare and equip us to do good work for his kingdom, to grow us and to bring us closer to him. God's Word is powerful, but it shouldn't intimidate you. That's why Family Research Council offers the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. It's a two-year plan that helps you read the Bible daily so you can stay grounded in God's truth, navigate our culture from a biblical worldview, and grow closer to God. This plan will help you to practice the discipline of reading Scripture every day so you can be transformed by God's Word. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org slash Bible. God is the author of life and has created man in His image. Therefore, we must respect the inherent dignity of every human life from conception until natural death. That is why Family Research Council works to pass legislation that highlights this principle, including laws that protect the unborn. To keep you informed on this issue, FRC has created online maps that illustrate progress in each state on key pro-life laws. That way, you can know if your state legislators are working to protect unborn babies. The pro-life laws FRC tracks at the state level include those addressing late-term abortions, fetal dignity, defunding abortion businesses, and providing medical care for babies born alive after an attempted abortion. See where your state stands on pro-life abortion. Check out our pro-life maps at frc.org slash pro-life maps. 
Most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, but current research shows that only 6% actually have one. This means that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. Increasingly, we see the disastrous effects of a culture that has rebelled against the truth of God's Word. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. This center is an exciting new ministry created to help Christians develop and live by a biblical worldview, to understand why scriptures must be authoritative, and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC's Center for Biblical Worldview provide research and resources to help prepare believers to give a biblical answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access the center's free resources at frc.org slash worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. Website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, that kind of stuff with that, the vaccine and the mandates, that gets me... Uh, it really gets me riled up. I hope it gets you worked up as well. Look, again, I'm not against the vaccines. I think you, you should make the determination for yourself working with your doctor. Um, although I would say you, you don't get the Johnson & Johnson. There's other issues related with that vaccine. Moderna seems to be the best one. Um, but if you've had the, if you've had the, the virus, there's no need to get one. You've heard that on this program. The CDC is not talking about that. I mean, I think it's they politicize this. And that's why there's resistance to getting the vaccine, because you, you wonder, what are they doing? What's this all about? Anyway, speak out about this stuff. OK, don't don't be silent. Don't let them mask your voice. OK, um, speaking of uh, cover ups, the uh, House Select Committee on the events of January the 6th met today. Uh, for about three and a half hours of testimony. Now, prior to that, there was a press conference by the uh, House, the Republican leadership in the House, and basically calling attention to the fact that this is a sham. This is a, this is a political theater, and this is about they, according to them, alleged that their Pelosi is covering up the fact that she had information to suggest that they should have taken action, should have given the Capitol Police more intel and equipment to prepare for what had been alleged or what had been suggested, the intel suggested may have occurred on January the 6th. But I want to go to uh, the select committee, the hearing that took place today. Join me now to talk about uh, what occurred in that hearing is Christina Wong. She is with uh, Breitbart News, and she reported on today's hearing. Uh, Christina, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for having me on, Tony. Okay, so you're t- let's just start with uh, what was the focus of today's hearing and what was your takeaway? Yes, uh, the focus of today's hearing was on the emotional, personal testimony of two Capitol Police officers and two Metropolitan Police Department officers who were at the Capitol uh, that day uh, dealing with the protesters. And, and so... It- the testimony was highly personalized, you know, everything they had dealt with and, and 
face and, and they spoke in detail about, uh, you know, fighting with protesters and, uh, you know, physically and verbally. And, uh, you know, each one um, gave their their own, uh, you know, personal story. For instance, we had uh, we had Sergeant Aquilino Gonell. Uh, he is a Dominican immigrant and an, an Army veteran, and he testified that he was more afraid on January 6th than he was ever in uh, during his deployment in Iraq. Then you had um, Officer Michael Fanone, and he, he was uh, tased uh, several times with his own taser. He talked about losing consciousness. At one point, he got angry and, and pounded his hand on the table. And so there was a disgrace that Republicans were downplaying what happened on January 6th. Then you had Daniel Hodges, and he was the officer in the video that's pressed against uh, the doors. Um, and he repeatedly called all protesters there at the Capitol terrorists. And then we had uh, Officer Harry Dunn. Um, he said that he was called the N-word and other racist slurs and other uh, African-American officers were also called, uh, you know, racial epithets. And my takeaway was the whole thing felt highly dramatized. It felt scripted. Um, there was a sense from the witnesses, uh, you know, whether they meant to or not, that they were choosing sides. They were highly critical of President Trump and his supporters. Uh, one of the police officers said he voted for Joe Biden. Um, and, and so it, it did have this feel of, of political theater, like Republicans earlier that day predicted it would. Well, I think was the, the, the chairman of the select Mississippi Democrat, uh, Benny Thompson, he um, he said, you know, this this is uh, about the, well, this is what he said. I'm just going to quote from him. Quote: There's no place for politics or partisanship in this investigation. Uh, that's how he <laughs> opened this up. He said, our only charge is to follow the facts where they lead us. Then he went on to say, let's be clear: the rioters that tried to rob us of our democracy were propelled here by a lie. I mean, that certainly sounds like interjecting uh, politics into this and that they're going beyond just looking for evidence and facts. Definitely. I, I heard very little of evidence and facts and just mostly the officers just talking about how they felt and also their opinions on a lot of things. There was one officer, uh, Officer Hodges, who, who said that the reason he was he was fighting for democracy that day and because the margins were so slim between Republicans and Democrats, he knew he was fighting to protect future votes. I mean, that's is that his job? <laughs> you know, wow. I thought his job was to uh, protect members of Congress. Um, you know, so there was a lot of uh, political theater, and, and it 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 did not stop with the witnesses. You had. Both Adam Kinzinger, Republican from Illinois, and Adam Schiff, Democrat from California, they both cried. Um, and, and so those were very dramatic moments. Um, and then you had Liz Cheney. She she said that, you know, our kids are watching and we want to get to the, you know, the bottom of this. And, and everyone should be subpoenaed who, you know, played a role in this. And, and so, you know, it was a lot of uh, grandstanding and a lot of just emotion, but very little uh, fact and, and detail. And I think that's probably what is going to be the, the sum total of this select committee. It's going to be a lot of uh, theater. Uh, Christina Wong, so good to have you on the program. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us today.
And, uh, and folks, look, I would say um, I understand the police officers being very emotional about this, having, you know, been through certain events, not, I mean, not like that, but I've been through other riots and events like similar. Um, you know, when you're in the middle of it, it is, uh, it affects you. And so I, I certainly am sympathetic to those police officers. So my issue is not with them, it's how they're being used by Nancy Pelosi and others. Look, I, I'll just say this, I don't trust anything, anything that comes out of a Nancy Pelosi controlled Congress or a Joe Biden White House. They have already shown us very clearly they cannot be trusted. I don't trust them at all. All right, uh, when we come back, the southern border, record number of arrests, one million so far this year. Who knows how many have actually gotten through? Ranchers and farmers, their properties are being destroyed. They're now seeking damages from the federal government. Talk with uh, August Pfluger next. Don't go away. Are you looking for a go-to platform where you can get relevant commentary on the cultural issues of the day from a biblical perspective? Today, it can be hard to find this in light of media censorship of conservative and Christian voices. Here at Family Research Council, we believe that every American has a right to exercise their freedom of speech and share their stories with the world. And we think it's important for you to have access to these stories. To get the facts and stories the left doesn't want you reading, head over to frc.org blog to check out our newest blog posts. We cover the issues you care about, all written by our experts in policy, government affairs, and biblical worldview. Our experts unpack the topics that other media platforms won't, like current events that affect Christians internationally, sexuality from a biblical perspective, and insights into the increasingly radical shift in American culture. To stay up to date on current news related to faith, family, and freedom, go to frc.org slash blog. We're seeing more and more cases of censorship and the canceling of many conservatives and Christians by big tech companies. To combat this, Family Research Council has chosen to be proactive before big tech tries to censor or cancel us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom, even if big tech tries to silence us. It's easy. You just sign up for the text alerts by texting STAN to 67742, and you'll get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAN to 67742, and FRC will keep you looped in on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll get information on our upcoming events and programs. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for faith, family, and freedom, and keep you connected with the like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right. So far this year, more than a million arrests have taken place at the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, That's a figure higher than any full year total since uh, 2005. On track to probably pass that number up. Uh, And that doesn't account for those that have not been apprehended. And uh, Texas farmers are saying the damage being caused to ranches and farms is is extremely costly. Now, what's interesting here is that um, and I'm going to go to two parts of the country. The 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 Biden administration refusing to change their failed policies that has led to this 
I mean, just massive influx on the border of illegal immigration. But we have over 90 miles from the U.S. in Cuba, we have those that have said, look, we're trying to seek freedom. Uh, and the Biden administration is saying, if it, we catch any of you trying to get in by boat through the water, we're, we're not taking you. What What's that all about? Well, joining me to talk more about this, Congressman August uh, Fluger, he represents the 11th Congressional District of Texas. Congressman Fluger, welcome to the program. Tony, thank you for having me. Um, and by the way, thank you for your service. I know you are a uh, retired lieutenant colonel uh, with the Air Force. Uh, you, um, the two issues here, and you've connected the two, so I, it wasn't unnatural for me to connect those two, but you've spoken out about this, that we're, we're just letting people flood across the border on our southern border, and not just from Mexico, from all parts of the world that are doing damage, not only to our property, human trafficking, drugs, but those seeking freedom on the other side are not welcome. Yes, and I, and I definitely want to talk about the damage at some point during the show, but you're right. I mean, what, what hypocrisy to see 90 miles south of Florida, the Cuban people who have been oppressed for six over six decades, and yet the Biden administration is doing nothing. You know, I, I got a chance to talk to some folks who were at the rally here in D.C., and I, I said, well, what happened? Did the president come out? And they said, no, he's abandoned us. Now, those are not my words although I, I may choose to use those, those were Cuban-Americans' words who are looking at this situation and they're seeing literally over a million people, as you just mentioned, who have illegally come into our country, and yet Secretary Mayorkas and, and the administration, the Biden administration, have said, you're not welcome here. Uh, what's the difference? Why treat one group of people different than the other? You know, it, it seems to me that it doesn't fit the narrative. And the narrative is that you see the, the flags, the American flags that are being waved in the streets of Havana and throughout Cuba, and they're screaming Libertad. They're not asking for anything other than liberty, for freedom, the, th the same things that this country was founded on. And yet in this country, we, we can probably go on and on about the, the different things um, in our own rights that are uh, potentially being encroached upon or are being encroached upon. And yet then you see this willingness of the Biden administration to open up our southern border and to do nothing. We have record numbers of illegal immigrants who have entered this country. The drugs, the violence, the crime, the trafficking, these are real issues. And so it, the, the hypocrisy is just it's beyond me why we can't address the security, but yet we, we still can't help those who are in need who want liberty. Right. Let's talk about what's happening on the border down there. You're from Texas. You've been talking to farmers and ranchers, and uh, this problem has become immense, and it is extremely costly for these farmers, and you're helping them uh, seek damages from the, uh, from the federal government. Well, that's right. You know, I, I've spoken to many ranchers, many farmers who are in border counties that have got issues, uh, and, and, and this has been going on for quite a while, but the numbers that we're seeing this year, again, over a million with two million expected, the fence lines are being damaged. Houses have actually been burned down. I had ranchers in here last week who showed me footage from their own game cameras. These are game cameras used for hunting and other things. Um, in one day, they counted over 20 folks who were dressed in military-style clothing who were crawling you know, over the fences or cutting their way through the fences, which when you think about that, you have livestock cattle right. who are getting out and vehicles are being stolen. I mean, it's just, it's atrocious to see 
the lack of regard for just our, our overall safety and security and prosperity of ranchers and farmers. And you're right, I am trying to help those folks um, and seek compensation and reimbursement from the federal government uh, for those ranchers and farmers who are being affected. So, Congressman Fluger, what, what response have you gotten from the Biden administration when you've, I mean, these are these are American citizens who are trying to make a living. They're, uh, they just happen to be there on the border. Their property is being destroyed as a result of policies of this administration. What's the administration saying? Well, there's, as you would expect, there's no response to actually go see the areas that we need them to go see, which are the affected counties in McAllen, the Rio Grande Valley, in, in all the way in that sector down to the south. Instead, the vice president went to El Paso, had a photo shoot, and then went on to California. So there's no real work being done. Secretary Mayorkas has repeatedly said that the border is secure. We know it's not secure. And another thing, we need the administration to tell us how many known or suspected terrorists have come through this, have been apprehended this year. Right. That is a real threat. I'm very worried about that. Uh, we, we know that we have record numbers, and we know we... we the administration has not been transparent and forthright on the number of gotaways. So I'm very worried about it from a security side, in addition to the damage that's being done throughout Texas and other border states. Uh, Congressman Fluger, we're up against a break. i got to go, but very quickly, are they still not giving you the information about terrorists that have been detained at the border? We're we writing a letter asking that information. We want that to be published uh, for public information. There are classified briefings that exist, and we'd like them to come out and share it with the American public so that it's above board and it's transparent. All right, uh, good enough. Uh, Congressman Fluger, thanks for joining us. Great to talk with you. Thank you very much. All right, folks, uh, coming up on the other side of the break, we'll be joined by Congressman Mark Green of uh, Tennessee, an Army veteran. He's on the House Armed Services Committee. We're going to be talking about the Democrats wanting to force women to register for the draft. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. What is religious freedom and why should you care about it, both domestically and internationally? By definition, religious freedom is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's choice and to live according to those beliefs. At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a harrowing reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media, even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to mount in many regions of the world. God calls Christians to care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To learn more about this issue and what you can do to help, go to frc.org slash IRF to check out Family Research Council's latest resources on international religious freedom. Christians are called to seek after the Lord above all things. This means we must pray unceasingly, vote our biblical values, and boldly stand for truth. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission every Wednesday as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to focus their attention on the Lord in every aspect of their lives. Pray, Vote, Stand will help equip you to stand for biblical truth in the midst of a confusing time in our culture. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. 
This year, let's commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. To watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts, visit PrayVoteStand.org. That's PrayVoteStand.org. Want honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world? Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday by tuning into Washington Watch. You can listen to the show whenever it works for you. Go to TonyPerkins.com to stream episodes on demand or listen by radio through American Family and Radio Network, Bot Radio, the KTLW Radio Network, or independent Christian radio stations across the country. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Mike Pompeo, Senator Marshall Blackburn, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Sissy Graham Lynch, and more. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day by tuning into Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Again, that's TonyPerkins.com. Welcome back. I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Let me again remind you, download the Stand Firm app. That way you will uh, be alerted. You can be if you select the alert when Washington Watch is coming on. But more importantly, you'll be given notifications when you need to take action on state and federal issues of concern. You know, our republic made only for participants. It's not for spectators. If we want to keep it, we got to be involved in it. So download the Stand Firm app, because what we're about to talk about is one of those issues you need to be weighing in on. Last week, the Senate Armed Services Committee advanced its Fiscal 2022 Defense Authorization Act, the National Defense Authorization Act, something that's done every year. It's one of those must-pass pieces of legislation. It's the only one that gets passed every year. But in it, there is a provision that would require women to register for the draft. They would have to register for the Selective Service, and if a draft was put back in place, we haven't had one since the 70s, but if it were put back in place, women would be drafted just like men. Now, the House Armed Services Committee will be marking up its version of the bill and its subcommittees beginning tomorrow. Joining me now to talk about this and more is Congressman Mark Green, who is a member of the House Armed Services Committee. He represents the 7th Congressional District of Tennessee. He is also a decorated combat veteran, an ER physician who founded two medical clinics that provide free health care to underserved populations. Uh, Congressman Green, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me on, Tony. Always, uh, always a pleasure to be with you guys. And, and I should mention you were also a candidate for Secretary of the Army under President Trump. So I'm sure this is something you've thought about. And uh, so, w- what's happening here? Well, it looks like the, uh, and we don't really know. I, I, I couldn't find who uh, proffered the, the amendment. I, I'm sure we could dig around and, and get to the bottom of it. But someone over on the Senate side and the SAS dropped an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act that would require women to register to vote or register for the draft. And, uh, you know, people in my district are just not ready for that, Tony. I mean, I'm like you. I'm sure you would agree. Women 
I'm, I'm excited. If they want to serve in the military, uh, sure. I encourage them to do it. I've actually, my daughter talked about, she's a nurse, talked about serving in the, 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 the medical corps. If she wants to do that, I, I'm all excited about that. But I am not excited about uh, forcing our daughters to register to, to go into a draft. I, I, quite frankly, I think, I think it speaks volumes about the character of a nation if we'll let our daughters fight our wars for us, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think uh, this is an issue that, and I don't understand where it's coming from on the Democrat side. It, no one is talking about wanting this. There are a lot of things that need to happen in the military, uh, equipment that we need to fund, modernization that needs to be funded, but but not compelling women to, to enter the draft. I mean, no one, no, no one is talking about this back in Tennessee. And, and when they bring it up, the Democrats, it's almost universal pushback. So, uh, Congressman Green, as, as the House begins to mark up its version of the National Defense Authorization Act, does this stay in? Is this something that advances to the House floor? I would be surprised to see it advance to the House floor. But, you know, with the Democrat Party today, I'm being surprised almost daily about some of the stuff that they're pushing. Uh, things that just make no sense, like defund the police and now defund the Pentagon. You know, the the administration forwarded a budget to us, a budget request to us for the appropriation side, which isn't you know, the National Defense Authorization Act talks about money, but it's more about authorizing certain programs as opposed to the funding side, which is done through the appropriations process. Um, but no one's talking about this in the House side. Uh, we just it kind of surprised nearly all of us. Um, so who knows what the Democrats are going to do? I, you know, I, I can't make a prediction. But I know on the Republican side, there's no one's saying they support it. Well, I hope you're successful in the, in keeping that from the House version of the bill, and that it doesn't make its way into a study or a, a conference committee uh, between the two uh, chambers. Uh, other issues that our listeners should be watching for in the National Defense Authorization Act. I think the biggest piece of it, Tony, that concerns me is a lot of the Green Green New Deal stuff that they're sort of forcing onto the military. There are a lot of things that we need to do. And, and right now we have a demand from the, the situation internationally, both Russia and China advancing their militaries, both with technology and the size of their military. You look at uh, Russia just this last week announced an F-35 equivalent, basically a fifth-generation fighter, that would compete with our F-35, their fighter. They even, when they announced it, had painted on the side of the aircraft in English, checkmate. And here we are, you know, advancing uh, green technologies that are going to take dollars away from equipment that would contend with Russia and China. Uh, China, of course, is last month they, um, you know, commissioned three new naval vessels. They're averaging about three Navy ships a month. Uh, their Navy already is larger than ours. Uh, meanwhile, Joe Biden is cutting the defense budget in real dollars by $4 billion, uh, while he's increasing spending across the board in other programs by 16%. So it's pretty clear where the Biden administration stands. I don't think, you know, someone like uh, Chairman Smith is going gonna, is gonna to agree to that. I mean, I, Chairman Smith is uh, a, one of the more reasonable Democrats, uh, and I'll just uh, say it like that. Uh, but he, he I, I know, wants to see our military equipped with uh, cutting-edge technology. Um, so that, I think the biggest thing to watch for is just the, the liberal stuff that gets inserted into the bill. 
But that raises an, another question, Congressman Green, when you look at the spending priorities, given what you just laid out, and there's plenty more we could talk about with Iran, uh, we could talk more about China and uh, what they're doing to leverage their influence around the world. Does this administration not see the threats that are out there? I, you know, I, they obviously don't, especially with regard to China. Um, you look at the approach they're taking to the Indo-Pacific, the approach they're taking with the way we're withdrawing from Afghanistan and China is filling that void through Pakistan and its relationships with Pakistan. It's pretty clear that they, they don't have the correct understanding of what's going on. A great example is what was happening in the Ukraine with Russia and its buildup, its military buildup on the Ukrainian border. As a, you know, Biden's knee-jerk response was actually good. He decided to send two destroyers into the into the Black Sea as a as a sort of, hey, don't do this. Um, and Vladimir Putin picked up the phone and called Biden, and Biden changed his mind. So it, it he, he just doesn't have the strength to push back on these, what I call, totalitarian dictators. Speaking of priorities of the Biden administration, uh, you have uh, countered one of those priorities, been pushing back on their focus on critical race theory in our military academies. Yeah, first let me say there was recently a, a, an article published, uh, or a study published, was commissioned by the military to look at the impacts on readiness, and this was a three-star Marine admiral, uh, Marine general and an admiral, Navy admiral, and their perspective was that there was too much time spent on diversity training and things like that at the expense of actually training them how to sail a ship, just the blocking and tackling of being in the Navy. So now this critical race theory is being taught at our military academies, and my biggest problem with critical race theory is, and there are lots of problems with it, but my biggest problem is that the mechanism they use in that theory to actually counter past discrimination is future discrimination, which is against the United States law. I mean, it's against the law to discriminate on, on the basis of race. And so to suggest that as a viable mechanism to undo past discrimination is absurd. And if you look at... Um, just the unit cohesion, and I've been to combat, you look to the man and, uh, or woman to your left and right, and it's, it's about team. It's about defending one another. If you're teaching them that a particular race is inherently or, you know, racist because of the color of their skin, judge people on the basis of the color of their skin, you're destroying unit cohesion. It makes no sense whatsoever that a fighting force could go to war and contend with each other, you know, against an enemy with each other when you're teaching these kinds of theories. Right. The other thing, you know, the base premise of it is that America is a, is a racist country. Well, who wants to defend and fight for and potentially die for a nation that you're being taught is racist? Right. And we know that's not the case. America is an amazing country. What nation has ever done what we did. There are 9,000 dead Americans on the beach at Normandy. And after we win that war, we go in and rebuild the very country that started the war. Billions of American dollars to rebuild Germany, to rebuild Japan, the very countries that killed us and, and started a war with us. No country in the history of mankind has ever done anything like that. Yet here they are saying that our nation is a bad nation. 
Have we made mistakes? Absolutely. Have we learned from and corrected those mistakes? Yes, of course. And that should be celebrated, not denigrated. Uh, this uh, the CRT. I mean, it's doing it is it's sowing those seeds of discord, division, and distrust. But it's also, as you pointed out earlier, taking away valuable time that should be spent on what the military's purpose is. That is, fighting and winning wars. And you got to train in order to win. You got to train, and you only have so much time in a day. That's right. You know, when we went to war, when I went to war. The product of many, many people's labors over the course of the years prior to, to, to me going in, in 2003, uh, the culmination of years of research and development to produce the very best equipment, some of the best training mechanisms, our, our training centers, the National Training Center in Fort Irwin, California, the Joint Readiness Training Center at Fort Polk, the investments both in time and money and um, research to build those systems, it was what we would call significant overmatch. It wasn't even a fair fight. And when we send Americans to war, our sons and daughters, it should never be a fair fight. And yet right now with China and uh, Russia, it's near parity on many of the weapon systems. And missiles, China now has the largest missile force in the world. Um, Russia's asymmetric warfare is some of, I mean, we're learning from what they've done in Ukraine. So uh, what any distraction to preparing our armed forces, those men and women who will defend our nation, defend freedom across the world, distracting them from doing two things, learning how to kill people and break things, is uh, going to put their lives at risk and our freedom and sovereignty at risk. And that's what the Biden administration is doing. Yeah, there's a high price to pay when you get cheap on national defense. Amen. Uh, I, I want to switch gears. we just got a few minutes left. In, in addition to the National Defense Authorization Act, that's going to be dealt with in the House. Uh, you know, probably before you all break for the August recess, you've got a number of appropriations bills that are moving their way through. And uh, something very significant is missing from those uh, appropriations bills, like the, um, the labor and HHH bill, uh, the labor and H bill that uh, deals with uh, abortion funding. Uh, for the first time, we're not seeing the Hyde Amendment uh, on the labor uh, funding bill. Yeah, that is uh, very disturbing, Tony. I mean, the Hyde Amendment has probably saved two million lives, um, but the Biden administration is so beholding. In fact, most Democrats are so beholding to Planned Parenthood and the billions of dollars that they make from uh, basically terminating life. Um, they're, they're now basically trying to take that Hyde Amendment out and, uh, and U.S. taxpayer dollars will be able to fund uh, overseas abortions. And it, it's really interesting to see how the Democrat Party has changed over time. I mean, even Joe Biden himself in 1994 said uh, no one basically, and I'm paraphrasing, no one should be forced to violate their conscience and support an abortion. So it, it's they've come a long way. Uh, and they are they are slaves to this master, and that master is Planned Parenthood. Hey, that, that's it's fascinating to watch, and I've seen that in my 18 years here, where we we used to have pro-life Democrats. Um, they don't exist anymore, uh, and you have a party that is wholly sold out to the abortion industry and Planned Parenthood. And uh, but the good the, the flip side of that is we have a Republican Party that uh, in the House 
Uh, there's not a single uh, openly pro-choice Republican that I'm aware of now after 2018. Uh, you have a solidly committed pro-life uh, Republican conference. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. I don't know of a single one of my colleagues who isn't pro-life. Um, so some define life in different stages. I know I for me, it's conception. Um, but you look at some of the, the, the laws or bills at the state level that Democrats have pushed, even during the act of labor, to be able to terminate the life of a child. And that is it's unconscionable. And uh, but that's where their party is. Congressman Green, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today and for leading the fight there on Capitol Hill. Yes, sir. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. All right. Congressman Mark Green of uh, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, I got some business to do, some homework. Weigh in with your member of Congress on the women being forced to register for the draft. That's in the NDAA. That's going to be going through the House. And then the Labor H, it's a Labor Health and Human Services Bill. They've got all these uh, different uh, um, acronyms. But anyway, Labor Health and Human Services. Just say HIDE. Protect the Hyde Amendment. Do not force taxpayers to do not force taxpayers into partnership with Planned Parenthood by funding abortion. Okay. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.